Please be forewarned that today the podcast has some audio technical issue. My microphone didn't work on the interview, so I need to use the main microphone. So it doesn't sound as good, but I'm sure you could still uh, make it up. So uh, please bear with me. Hello, good folks from all around the world. Welcome to episode 23 of Misfits. This is where I speak to the rebels, the outliers, and the unconventionals in Singapore. Try to see things as how they see it and to learn from them. Some of these individuals include Daniel Ng, uh, who has won the Grand Beatbox Battle Championship twice in a row. Uh, Benny Sitio, who is the co-founder of 18 Chef, Asian Pang, and a whole lot more. And today on the show, we have Wayne Chong. He is the head writer of Esquire Singapore. Uh, Wayne is a two-time recipient as the Journalist of the Year uh, by Media Publisher Association of Singapore in uh, 2014 and 2015. So he have interviewed numerous iconic personalities, include Neil deGrasse Tyson, Dave Patel, Colin Schooling, the SMRT Vigilante, uh, Eric Banner, and much, much more. So on the side, Wayne performs stand-up comedy regularly. Uh, he has performed at Singapore Comedy Fringe Festival, Talk Talk Comedy 2015, as well as regular improv night together with many other comedians, uh, including uh, Fakas Fast, actually. They're all friends. Uh, so in this episode, we talk about Wayne's interview process from crafting questions to writing the article, uh, Wayne's hiring process in Esquire, uh, recommendations for Japan, and much, much more. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, without further ado. Well, thank you for coming to the show, Wayne. Hey, <laughs> thanks, Brian. Well, firstly, thank you so much for taking your time out to do this with me. And I got to be honest, slightly intimidated. Why? Because I feel like I'm interviewing the master of interview. No, no, no. <laughs> that's not. I'm not a master of interviewing, but but uh. But the list of interviewees you have is just you know. From Sam Lowe to uh, Joseph Schooling's dad, Colin, uh, Joanne Page, Jin Danker, Dave Patel, uh, and then there's also the SMRT Vigilante guy, Sean Penn. Is that really? Sean Penn. Is it Sean Penn? Yeah. It's just the SMRT Vigilante. Uh, the SMRT... Uh, yeah, they, they call it the SMRT, uh, the Limpe guy. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they, he was nicknamed. So you didn't meet him just at home? No, no, I, I met him face to face. Okay. Uh, so I sort of know who he was, or but right. that wasn't the crux of yeah, it wasn't, you know. the, the story. Basically, this one's know about his motivation. Yeah, I mean, you, you wrote a lot of words in that interview. It's good interview. I read it. I love it. Oh, no, no, that, uh, you should uh, uh, thank the transcriber. It's oh. about 8,000-ish words. Then we had to cut it down. How long was the... Uh, Two and a half, two and a half hours, or three. Okay. I don't know. Are we yeah. really chatting that long? Dude, today? Dude, I, you, <laughs> when you say that you don't inter- edit your video, it's like, what? You should edit a video. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I don't edit the... I mean, the food thing is, is sort of like being put in the podcast, and then the gonad is sort of edited out for people who are... Yeah, like, a, pre- didn't like a preview watch. kind of thing, uh, yeah, but yeah. still. <laughs> okay, so, you know... Um, I'm not sure if you remember this when we first met. You know, we were 
been introduced by our mutual friend Janie, uh, and then we in this cafe in the temple called Lipster. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to know what was what was the introduction when you know Janie uh, introduced me. Um, I think Janie was uh, telling me about you. Say this guy is interesting. You talk to him and check him out. He was doing a video series about interesting people. What was your first impression after looking through stuff online? Because then you know that. I thought it was interesting because uh, I know one of the people that you. Oh, I mean, uh, I know several people initially. I, I know Fakafas. Okay. Uh, yeah, because yeah, we. Uh, interview and also we also uh, in the same comedy circles yeah and then uh, I think Kelvin was he up there by then or something like that yeah I think Kelvin Kelvin was up by then oh yeah then also uh, I think there's also Dr. Loretta Chen so, so I got I got the, the crap just uh, <laughs> oh, you, I, I, I think you got the cream on the crop uh, and then uh, you still you know getting more cream from that crop <laughs> and, and then and then we met at the, at the, at the, the cafe temple um, what were your parting thoughts of me when you left, you know, the, the meeting. Uh, interesting fella. Uh, a bit of a weirdo. Uh, it's like, uh, no, no, we're weirdo in a sense that I'm not sure why you, I, I think from from what I get from Jenny, you wanted to interview somebody. Uh, so so that's why she said you should talk to me. So I was like, that's why. You know, that's no... I, I, I don't really have a high opinion of myself, so I don't understand why you should uh, interview someone like me. Yeah, I and, and yeah, we're here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and you know, like um, um, you were almost at the genesis of um, the series, man, and also I guess during then I, I told you a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, you you plan to uh, you you. Was there anyone? I think. Yeah, you filled me a lot of uh, questions about questioning people, so. Uh, so I'm glad I'm able to help. Well, yeah, and, and it's great help, by the way. Oh. Yeah, okay, great help. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm here still today, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, when we meet the second time, uh, which is like before, at the same place, in the temple, at the cafe. Yeah. <laughs> that place. I think you mentioned something which I want to explore a little bit into, which is sort of this whole, that you say that, like misfits or I'm selling misfits short. Like, I mean, what, I mean, if you could just, yeah, what do you mean by that? Uh, sell it short. Yeah. yeah. What was the context of the, the conversation? I think the, I mean, obviously what I'm trying to convince you to, to get on interview and then, um, you say, I could do, I could, I could, I, I, I could do as much more with, with misfits and then I not. Oh, I think in, in terms of uh, subjects, I said like, uh, I think when you want to interview me, I, I was, kind of dismissive because like I said uh, as I mentioned I don't really have a high opinion of what of who I am or what I do actually you could do so much better <laughs> so so what have what have I said oh, how about how about the question which is like why are you here today then? why am I here today um I don't know man I, I guess you are tenacious and you wore me down <laughs> yeah that's a, I guess that's a compliment yeah, but I also need to get permission whether I could uh, uh, do this yeah. uh, given the nature of my job. And uh, I was given a go-ahead, so it's fine. Yeah? Yeah. Zoo, Zoo, no. Oh, Zoo, uh, who, who is but my... Met, I met Zoo before. You met Zoo before, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zoo, who is my uh, editor-in-chief at uh, Esquire, uh, he said, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fine. So you didn't even, like, 
Basically, he just tell me he, some things before I say yes. No, no, no. But I, I think it's just out of respect that he just uh, ask someone because it's still um, under the purview of the company yeah, that I'm working for. So he he, he gave the okay, and uh, so be it. Uh. Mm, sure. So so we need thanks to yeah. End so, of the credits to <laughs> to be a special thanks to Zoo. And you know, before I continue, and as like you always like to put it. So this is more a conversation and a discussion than an interview. Oh, yeah. Which also means you have free reign to ask me any question that you're interested in. Cool. So when is this gonna end? Whenever you you, you have uh, your, your interest ends in me, which I'm quite more interested in. <laughs> um actually I just really wanna quickly dive into um, interviews. Uh, not that I've not asked you enough questions, I feel that you know you have so much more to, to share in this topic, especially after years of experience. Like, so when, when it comes to your process of preparation um, for your interviews, how does it look like? What does the process look like, and you know how long does it take? Um, so when it comes to subjects uh, or the person of interest, you, you do your research. So you, you trawl the internet or you trawl whatever uh, print medium that a person has been in uh, just to see uh, what has been covered on said individual. Um, you know, you just do your legwork, you know, find out the background. Um, but I, you, I will usually go through all the interviews that a person has been through so that I can formulate a set of questions that has not been asked before. Um, because I, I guess it'd be kind of boring for the interviewee to answer. And also because if I'm able to find information of the interview, why am I repeating it again? So, so you try to find a new angle, a new way, uh, something that has not been covered. So basically, you do your research of, uh, of that. How long does this whole process Oh, it depends. Uh, it, it, it depends on who the person is like for yeah I mean the, the ones it, it, it ranges uh, it, it depends it, it ranges from maybe an hour to a day okay no I'm just comparing it to my own uh, research process and see if there's actually anything I can make better or, mm. yeah. and I for me uh, I what I do is that uh, like what you do as well like show the internet and sort of create a, a timeline of that individual mm-hmm. um, and with that timeline comes in different categories where there's um, sort of school you went to um, sort of accolades and achievement and also like, potential failures um, that, that, that he had project, project that didn't went through or didn't, <laughs> yeah those are the stuff that I find interesting yeah. right uh, and then, then that sort of like forms uh, like sort of the, the idea to know that person a bit more and then after that um just throwing out a ton of questions yeah, yeah. along the process and then uh, I go through a process of uh, um, grouping uh, in topics and and, and, and then uh, arrangement of questions. I don't know. Holy crap, that's much more meticulous than what I do. <laughs> um, well, I then, uh, well, for me, after I do my research and then after I draft out my uh, key points, um, Okay, it depends on what kind of uh, interview I'm also conducting as well, right? So, if it's like a feature piece, right? okay, if it's like a feature piece, I would uh, start with softball questions, right? Uh, because um, you you uh, 
in a sense, I feel it's like a game of uh, catch. Mm-hmm. You got to allow, uh, allow them to a false sense of security. So you got the easy questions coming out. So it's like pet questions, if yeah, that makes any sense. Uh, so uh, so uh, once they warm up, after you just throw them a few curveballs uh, their way. Um, you know, you, you jump around. So my interview sometimes doesn't really follow a linear, a, a linear sense of uh, questioning. And and I guess those questions that you come out. So you don't actually structure them like chronologically. I I I I'll structure them. Uh, structure <laughs> structure them and a uh, very rough uh, uh, order. Okay. And then uh, I, I'll leave space, like, uh, okay, important questions will be near the, near the top, right? So, and then time permitting, then the rest of the questions, you know, if you just want to know, like, his favorite color, what's his favorite food, you know, stuff like that, fillers. Um, and then um, during the interview, if the guy happens to say something like, oh, uh, I, m- I met Mrs., uh, Mrs. Kerr during my school formative years, and for you, you'd be like, oh, there's a follow-up. Who's Mrs. Kerr, right? Why is she to you and stuff like that? So there's always follow-up questions uh, that's tangent to his answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it won't be on, the, on the, the list of questions that you have. So you have to be really, you know, adaptive. Yeah, yeah. And I guess listening is a, a big part of, of the process as well. Listening and also just being, like, curious. Yeah. You just have to be curious. And I mean, if you go to something that, uh, go to an interview and you have no interest in that person whatsoever, it's just, it's, it's not going to work. I mean, the story will come out, but it won't be, I mean, I'm interested in, in what you have to do. So I ask you questions that pertains to my curiosity, to, to, that, that, that picks my curiosity. If I'm interested in what you have to do, I, my readers will be also as interested in what you have to do. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, frame of reference. And I, I do the same. Mm-hmm. All my interviewees are people that I'm interested in because I don't, at least now, not want anybody out of it. Um, so, you know, every, every time I do interviews, it's an expense of my money and time and, and plus anything. <laughs> and that's all me, right? <laughs> you, need to find, you need to find sponsors, right? Uh, yeah, um, people have been suggesting uh, uh, Milo to, to put a cup of Milo up here. Yeah, Milo. Think about it. That's late. That's late. Yeah, no, actually, um, that's something that I, I'm working on. Uh, and how, um, what are some common mistakes when it comes to crafting questions for interview? Um, as mentioned before, coming up with uh, repetitive questions uh, that can be easily found on the internet. Um, I, th- I think you also have to you have to think in terms of the readers and also in terms of the interviewee. Um, in, for the interviewee, you've got to make it uh, new, refreshing, interesting, because they tend to give pet answers to pet questions. So it's basically just as a consideration for them. And also for your readers. Um, I mean, I don't think readers are... <laughs> no, readers are not dumb. <laughs> readers are not dumb. Um, they, they, they come in with a modicum of uh, intellect and they're looking at stuff. So sometimes when they have questions, if they have questions at the end of the interview, then it's not really a well thought out or written interview. Does that make sense? So basically, uh, so you just have to cover all bases. As a, as a reader, what am I interested in? So maybe I'm interested in uh, how, like for example, this uh, talk show. 
Uh, how is it being monetized? Or how, how, what's the reach? What's your plan for this? You know, so on and so forth. So you ask questions that uh, the readers will be interested in. And that also ties back in with your own interests. If you own, if you have the... So overlapping interests. Yeah, yeah. So if I, you know, I think if you have interest in that subject, mm-hmm. you'll be asking questions, the same questions as what your readers who are also interested in this kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So, so basically that. Um, I think also about the stringency of the list of questions. Okay. I see uh, some people come up with like set questions, right? Okay, I'll go answer this, this, this. And then they don't adapt to... Uh, new questions or follow-up questions. I mean, it, the thing will always change, right? Depending on what kind of interview you have. It's not really a straight line, right? But you want to get to the crux of the matter and what's important. But so some, some people, they, uh, they don't really... Uh, they, they, they don't improvise. You know, they don't go with the flow. Um, so that's why those, those are some of the common mistakes when it comes to you know, crafting questions. And when it comes even to follow-up, <clears throat> is it some, do you, like, when do you throw out a follow-up question? Because, you know, that's, yeah, when do you, and how do you craft a follow-up? Is it because of the, uh, of the intent of the question, then you craft follow-up based on the intent? No, I mean, I mean, it can it can be intent as well. But basically, the follow up questions would be something that the person would have answered, and then but you're still unsure of what he meant by this, right? So let's say if uh, you ask, for example, if you ask uh, Courtney Love whether she killed Kurt Cobain, and she said, "No, I didn't kill Kurt Cobain," you know, I mean, I mean, I have thoughts about killing Kurt Cobain, but I never killed Kurt Cobain. The follow up would be, "Oh, do you have thoughts about killing Kurt Cobain?" Right, uh, so that's a follow up to 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 her answer, and not you just go on with the next question. Is like so so how much royalty you receive from Nirvana? No, you go back to the one because as a reader, I'm interested to to know why do you mean by harbor thoughts about killing Kurt Cobain, mm. right? Um, so you got to be really aware about what what the situation is mm-hmm. instead of just relying on this uh, the questions. So that's yeah, what I mean that's by a good, really good, uh, uh, yeah, and it's a terrible example. Uh, God, that's called Cobain. <laughs> But I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, question, I guess. Yeah, you shouldn't let that go. I mean, your opportunity is only that. You know, you only can probably do that interview one time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just to follow up and also just to clarify in case you do not understand what he means by, you know, mm. certain things. You know, that's it. And I guess then, you know, how would you deal with um, people who are not giving you anything? Because, I mean, that question could come as a very wow, you know, I'm stepping back 10 steps, right? Yeah. Um, like, if you have to deal with, like, celebrities, they sometimes would be, you know, a bit guarded, guarded with their, uh, their own personal lives, and it's understandable. Um, especially people, if you're dealing with people from Mediacorp, um, they, they tend to be more reserved uh, in terms of, because... They, they got their minders, their managers, also in the same room, I assume. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So, so it, it's kind of hard. So they want to keep to a certain line of questioning. Um, sometimes people, well, I mean, sometimes people won't uh, give up uh, the goods, right? So, so you just have to go with it and hopefully, hopefully you see an opening and then you just take it. Um, I'm sorry, what? 
Uh, how? Well, the question was like, if they will not be giving you uh, stuff, you know, is there any like 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 uh, thing that you do that? Man, I, I, I think it's just verbal. I think it's just an interview jousting or just a you know, sparring, right? So basically, you just ask the question and hopefully they'll give you an opening. So you try a different line of questioning. Oh, okay. So you can't... Uh, I, I, okay, for example, if so let's I... let's go with the same example. Okay. The, you, I, did, do you have Harvard Talk? Uh, no, no, no. Let's say if Courtney Love... I'm interviewing Courtney Love, right? And, and then the question I want to ask her is like, uh, so did you kill Kurt Cobain? Yeah. Okay. okay? That's the question. But... I know that if I go directly to ask her about yeah. killing Coco Bay and she will clamp up, she'll say, no, I did not, something like that. So you got to ask it in a roundabout way. Okay, That's still, uh, uh, like, uh, so you ask her, like, uh, so uh, what do you think about death and dying? Uh, okay, so you lead uh, with the question, so you talk about death and dying, so okay. like that. that follow-up question, it's like, oh, yeah, do you, do, you, do you feel remorse when it comes to, like, death of, uh, you know, individuals? And then after that, you try to like corral the question to the subject. And do you do it before um, the interview? Like, do the roundabout thing before? And about crafting the questions, or do you do it like on the go? Which is, I think is very hard to do. Um, basically, you just have to be on your toes when it comes. I mean, in doing an interview, you just got to be on your toes, right? So you ask the questions on your list in your mind. And then you realize you're not getting anything from the list, and you try to find some avenue. Of of attack. Also, you don't create the avenue first before the the, um, the wall. I mean, I, no, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I think it'd be great to actually create like alternative alternate questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not that smart, so usually I would just. Uh, yeah, but that's interesting to 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 to, to think of it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, if if I'm not getting anything, I say okay, uh, don't don't worry. Let's just get through the questions. And then maybe ask uh, alternate questions, you know, just to get back to it again. And do you have uh, any favorite questions or, or questions that you frequently use or for for interviews? Um, maybe the off kilter questions, like uh, off kilter questions, would be those questions where they you disarm mm. your interviewee. Tell me, tell me, tell me Oh, basically, you just uh, necessarily you're going through something. Uh, you ask someone about their business plans, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the guys down here say, "Okay, I'm going, I'm going to talk about my business." Okay, talk about business, and then in the middle of it, you throw them a curveball, which is this like, uh, "So, uh, what's your greatest fear?" Ooh. Right. So it's like uh, greatest fear. It could be anything, right? So it's like so they ask. They sometimes ask like, "Oh, do you mean like a personal thing, or something that's big, or something that's tangible, something that's yeah. abstract?" And then you just say, "Oh, it could, it could be anything." So it forces them to actually just think about the question, mm. right? So it's, it's not something they're not familiar with. No, it's, it's something that they haven't been asked before, so they will think about it. And that usually just uh, breaks down whatever barrier they have. Mm. So they ask, they will un- and sometimes the, question, the answers can be illuminating. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and uh, and it, it could be useful. The answers could be useful. Uh, but it, I, I feel it helps um, keep things on their toes. So what are the so that's what's the greatest fear? What's the greatest fear? Uh, uh, usually that's that's a big uh, like that's big, b- basically it's metaphysical questions about life. Something to just uh, have them consider their place in the world. I guess yeah. That's, that's, Do you think God? Oh, some, if you if you want to go there, yeah. Uh, some people that might be a bit skittish, or usually I just ask them like, uh, "So, do you have any uh, belief? Uh, what do you think happens to us when we die?" Kind of thing, you know. Uh, so stuff so like that. It's pretty like extra. What was that called? Was the term of that? Um, off, 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 off. Tutor question. Tutor. 
Yeah. And it means basically that. No, it's it, 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 topic. Yeah, it's just it's just my dumb terms. Okay. Basically, it's just like questions that's not. Uh, that's, the, that's off the beaten path. Right. Gotcha. 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 And uh, and many actually some feedback and many, many folks that you um, have interviewed before uh, seems to be really comfortable with you. Feedbacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she, Well, of course. Yeah, she asked these people. <laughs> so you know, like, what's your approach when it comes to like building rapport? I think you, you mentioned a little bit before, which is like the first warming up thing. But you know, like, maybe let's go into more details on that. I. For me, I think the best interviews are the ones that are not interviews, right? They're basically just conversations. They're the kind of uh, interaction that you have with a friend late in the night over drinks or food or whatever it is. There's no agenda. You're just talking and that's it. But truth is that it is. But, but it is, yes. But uh, the, the, if you... So you make it feel like they're not. It's not. <laughs> For example, right, you have a tape recorder right now. Yeah. I, it's recording and I'm aware that camera's around. So okay. for me, I'm... I'm always angst. Uh, not angst. I'm I, I'm always hyper aware that I'm being filmed. Okay. And I'm being yeah, recorded. Anyway, the MRT is uh, all recording you. Yeah, but yeah, but they they are, they are, they're pretty subtle about it. Okay. Okay. True. True. Right. So that, that so so for me, I can just behave like a buffoon, <laughs> and you can capture on uh, on on. You can still behave like a buffoon. Yeah. You know, see, but I won't. No, but but no, but the truth is, you have the final edits. So, so, True, so but I'm not gonna. I'm still not gonna take that chance. Okay, okay, fair enough. It's it basically just like people are so so aware of themselves if they see like recording devices. So True. sometimes I, I I still use I still use recording devices, but I put them out of the way. Mm. Or if I bring out a notepad and a pen, people will know that oh, this guy's. So you don't bring out notepads. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do just to give the veneer of professionalism. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, they have to know like, oh, this guy, because uh, some, some of them would like to know that this is an interview and not just me being, uh, I, 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 due to body language, I can just like, okay, he wants to see something that, oh, I, this guy knows what he's doing. Okay. And after that, I put it away sometimes, or so I just go into conversations. But like I said, interviews are best conducted when it's just a conversation. And so how, how do you achieve that, I guess, with all the you know, recording devices that is there? Man, you just got to be Personable. I mean, there are questions, but after that, you just have to talk to them. Uh, I mean, you talk to them about the outfit, you know, just asking, oh, I really like the shoes. You know, you have to establish some sort of a common ground. I right? really like jacket. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. No follow up. Do you want to know where is I it mean, from? Is Japan? It is from Japan. No, really? right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sasquatch Fabrics, uh, Sasquatch Fabrics uh, collaboration with Supreme. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. This is good in Tokyo. Uh, no, I got it a long time ago. See, so now you're creating his rapport, right? So now people will be like, oh yeah, he's just asking me, he, you know, things. He, li- he likes what I have, yeah. and then, then maybe I can talk. It's a, uh, no, I got it secondhand. Oh, oh shit. Is there a secondhand flea market thing? Uh, yeah, they do. Japan, they, they do have secondhand flea market. Okay, uh, I, I will definitely come back on that. Because we can have a topic about Japan. Oh, really? Uh, okay, random. Because <laughs> I'm going there in May, so I told you that, right? Yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, second, so. For your... Uh, yeah, your first time, right? Yeah, first time. Uh, it's a no time plan. And uh, just stuck in and out of Tokyo. And, uh, okay, so what um, what goes behind the process of uh, the interview, like the interview? Do you get a chance to uh, scout the, the, the place or you know, the setting at all? Um, it depends on what I am writing. Yeah. Um, 
so the best scenario would be like um, I like to add color to the story. Mm. Okay, so I'm uh, uh, when I'm writing an article about a person, I like to uh, paint the picture, right? It kind of used to be me doing Q and A, and it is back and forth kind of thing. It has to be something that will engage the reader uh, in, into the world of this subject, right? Mm. So, best case scenario, I will ask the manager or the interviewee say, hey. What do you like to do? Let's just go do it. Oh, yeah. And let's, let's go. Uh, we can we can take a walk in the botanical garden, or we can go uh, dog walking, oh, yeah. or we or we can uh, <laughs> we, we we can do this. We can do that. Yeah. Right. That helps create the color for your piece. Right. Right. They say like, wait, let's go skydiving. Sky. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> let's go skydiving because you want to see the person in. Uh, in their element, right? If they want to go right. skydiving, you want to see, so you can actually write about she is a person nervous. Uh, you you gonna go skydiving? Yeah, sure. Okay. I, I I will I will go with them because it's part of the the story. Cool. You, know, you want to eat uh you want to eat fugu? Oh, let's go eat fugu together. First time eating fugu? Okay, so you just write about it. what's the reaction to fugu? Why do they want to eat fugu? So we, you, then after that you establish because once you do something together, you have the common ground. You already establish a common ground, right? So you, you have that person on, on your side. And you usually have like a day, like what's the timeline um, with them? Um, okay, so like I said, that's, that's the best case scenario. Oh. <laughs> that's the best case scenario. But uh, more often than not, you don't have that time, uh, kind of time with the interviewees because they, they're busy people. Uh, yeah. and, and that's fine. And we only only so much budget. Oh, like, that's true. Right. So, also, if I were to go, if the interviewee were to go skydiving, then that's why I would be Oh, it, it depends. Oh. I, uh, are you famous? Okay. Is, yeah. is, 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 is it? Is, is this story? The, the budget uh, correlates with the, the famousness. Not exactly. Uh, it also depends on like, uh, would, would this guy make a good a piece? Uh, good piece oh. yeah, for, in, in a story? Okay. So that's a lot of consideration. But like I said, best case scenario, right? If, you, if I don't have that, yeah. what's, what's the plan B? Uh, usually I will get an hour with them, okay. one hour. Um, so it can be, uh, which, which, I, which is not my favorite, but usually over food. Or drinks, uh, but food is, is is still a great disarm disarmer, okay. right? Because no one's going to be prim proper while they eat, right? That's true. So, so, so review your vulnerability when you fine dining. Yeah, fine dining you could, but then again, I I, I can't really afford <laughs> your fine dining. So we we we, we have like uh, over tea or drinks, and we have finger food stuff like that. Yeah. So I find, and plus it also harkens back to you know. Talking over food. How has your has your interview style changed um, from you know when you first started uh, to now? Um, yes, uh, there will there will always be an evolution in how you do things, mm-hmm. as is with life. What, what change? Um, I guess I'm uh, less nervous. Less nervous. Uh, so there's there's always this power play. Between you and the uh, interviewee, uh, especially if they are really high up the celebrity food chain. Food chain. Um, so, but you have to hold your ground, right? You got to be in, in charge of this because you are writing the story about them. So you're doing your damnness to actually uh, have control over the entire thing. Um, so you, can, you, you can't let them see you sweat. Don't let them see you sweat. Okay. Yeah. Just be in control. 
So uh, I think throughout the, the years of interviewing people and different kind of people from different walks of life, uh, I just managed to be like, you know. What are some situations that you are sweating? Like before now? Oh, uh, usually it's just something physical, like a cause and effect, right? If it's a hot weather, then I sweat. Okay. Okay. And that doesn't really paint a good picture. Uh, it makes me look vulnerable in front of, of the person, which oh, I don't like. Just actually sweating. Yeah, yeah just uh, actually sweating. So it makes me, uh, so I don't like, so that there's a power shift. Oh. So now because I'm the one who's like, oh, I'm so sorry for sweating in your presence kind of thing. And the other person is cool and calm as a cucumber. So it's a power, it's a power struggle. Maybe because my interview, I guess, is not like a big famous thing. Um, so there isn't a lot of uh, power at play, I guess. I don't know. Oh, and uh, also punctuality. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're if you're late, if you're late, um, you're dead. If you're if you, if you're on time, you have the upper hand, right? Because now the person is beholden to you for being late. So that's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. So as an interview, I mean, I've been late twice in my entire career, and that was that, that was not very good. That was not a very good uh, feeling to have because now if you like they have the upper hand, they come in sheepishly, and then you go feel them questions. So, so, so be, early. be early, be on time. Um, yeah. So you were, more, and, and I mean, what about like the style of interviewing them? Is it is it any different? Uh, maybe I become more animated or more. Just, just becoming. Uh, I don't. Know, I, I feel like sometimes I can have a poker face. I can just talk to people, and they don't know what I'm thinking. Okay. But if I, you know, I have to uh, show interest. If I show interest in, in what you're saying, right? They, they feel compelled to give me more things. So for me, I just lean forward. But these are all just natural things that you come to accumulate throughout the years. So you lean forward. It's it's, it's a lot of body language as well, uh. It's just uh, just to show that uh, you're not guarded. So you see people folding at their arms or they're leaning back or if there's a table in between you, right? So you, you have to bridge it, right? So you can lean forward, you know, uh, maybe share food or something like that or just, you know, stuff like that just, just to get them on to your side. And do, did, where, how did you derive your sort of interview style? I mean, no one really teach before. I don't know if it's in school, but at least for me, no one really teach before. Teach me how to um, I mean, in journalism school, they would teach you, like, so about... what you're telling me right now, like, you know, being in... That's not, not, not really. Uh, all this, most of the things I'm telling you today is just things that I learn on my own, or just pick up, or it, it seems like, it seems like a, a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't you employ this into your interview as a, as a technique? Um... How did you pick it up? Like where, you know, who? I, uh, I think it's just conversations, just talking to people. And then uh, you pick up things along the way. You, you start to, uh, for me, I like to break down what's happening, you know, things, right? So like, why is this thing working? Why is this thing not, work, uh, not working? So I'm very analytical. What are some of the things that work for you? Work for me? Yeah. Um, I think it's sort of like 80-20 you can just give three things uh, for a person to 
Yeah. For me, it's, it's usually uh, humor, self-deprecation, right? Self-deprecation. Uh, even though you're the interviewer, you make fun of yourself. Like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so stupid. No, no. I mean, not 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 to the not to the point where someone's yeah. There's there's a there's a there's there's a way to do that. <laughs> if you say if you say if you keep saying oh I'm so stupid, then that informs the interviewee that oh my god this guy it's has really, really low self esteem. Can he do this thing? Okay. Are you allowed to be outside? Yeah. Kind of thing, right? Yeah. So you got to be like, maybe I say oh that's very nice shoes, man. I mean, uh, I like this old junk. <laughs> I mean, this is. Kind of thing. So, um, so basically, you, you lower yourself in the eyes of the interviewee, but in a sense, you have a sense of control because you're making fun of yourself, not the other person making fun of you. I mean, they say this about um, com- comedians as well. Like, if you have like a yeah, yeah, a long nose or whatever, you just need to make a joke about that, then so you can get on with the, the interview. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The show, yeah. Exactly. So you steal the thunder away from any potential hecklers and whatnot. You know, just get that way, and 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 plus, when you make fun of yourself, it also it also uh, in a way shows how confident you are about your flaws or your follies. So okay, self-deprecating humor. Yeah, for for me that works. Uh, so I, I try to be self-deprecating um, and uh, have a sense of humor about things, right? So sometimes when someone says something, you just give a quip, and then it's like, oh yeah, you know, then you laugh, you break the tension. And then you continue with it. So I think that kind of helps. Are there any interviews that jump to mind? You know, as an interview that you're really proud of. Um, the SMRT uh, one was uh, quite memorable. Uh, the fact that it's, it's it's like one of those big things. I mean, I mean for me, like, uh, because you you're interviewing somebody whose identity hasn't been known to the rest of the populace, and it's very cloak and daggerish during that time. So he, I think, I could be wrong, but I think he changed location like twice before we actually meet up, and I he was using a burner phone, was talk, communicating on a separate phone and whatnot. Um, so that was that, that was interesting um, because it was a, a situation that I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't in before, um, and then there are other interviews where where I, I got something like something that the uh, aspect of humanity or, or or anger of the subject that no one has ever gotten. So that was really uh, that was really awesome. Um, I interviewed what's his name, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Doctor Doctor Neil deGrasse Tyson, and that was just because I really like him. As a, as, a, as, a, as a fanboy to his work and what he does but you also got to be you know professional about it right yeah. plus he also given his intellect you also want to challenge him on it so he asks questions you know that would that would stimulate uh, his uh, his mind um, so that was that was that was that was nice that was nice uh, I think Ong Shuan uh, interviewed her twice and I think the first interview they became friends after that. So that was, so that was nice. I I, I like interviews where at the end of it, uh, you still keep in contact. Uh, what are some common characteristics of all these interviews? It seems like something new that had not been done, uh, or you guys became like pals after that. Um, 
I, I, I don't think anyone who, uh, they, who are being interviewed, they want their story to be misrepresented. I mean, that, that would suck, right? The, I mean, let's say after but this... But you do give them sort of like the, the first draft or whatever. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, as, a, as a form of goodwill. Mm. Um, most of the time, we don't. Okay. Um, but but, and sometimes it's just for accuracy. Some, uh, if I... During, during the... Yeah, just fact-checking, say, wait, wait, is this right? Does it mean right this way? So I just like, uh, you know, could you check to see if this line, if what you say is what you mean about this issue or, or not. So basically, it's just uh, that. But usually, we don't hand final drafts to... Uh, unless the management requires it or they ask for they it. They sign before, before, before the thing. Uh, again, it's a form of goodwill, right? You can't just say... You can't be a dick about it and just say, no, no, <laughs> I'm a journalist. I'm going to write stuff about you, bro. Yeah, yeah, uh, because, like I said, no one, no one wants to be misrepresented, right? And I, I, I don't want to say, I don't use say stuff. And after that, I just you know, tell my friends, say, oh, the guy is a bit of a racist. Like, why, why is he a racist? I don't know. Say so he, he's going to Japan and he thinks Japan is some sort of exotic place. It is. Like a fetishism kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, so stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to dig in a little bit more because, I mean, you interview a lot of people especially uh, from industry uh, such as this is really going to be bad for me but art fashion where there's a lot of jargons there's a lot of airy words there's a lot of things thrown around you know and and how do you then you know like like deal with this kind of interviews that I'm not sure yeah like you know where it's just like I'm not getting anything, you know. Like, what are you talking about? Or uh, that comes down to your research, okay. Ray. Uh, so it also depends on your uh, how invested are you in what they do, right? So let's say you're talking about fashion and they come up with uh, jargons and whatnot. Uh, it is not. There is no shame in actually asking what do they mean, right? Because you're a journalist. You're supposed to find out what do they mean. So if some guy talking talk, uh, talks about like uh, the weft, the weft of a shirt, you say, I'm sorry, uh, what do you mean by weft? Oh, I mean this. Now, of course, the person might think that, oh, this guy came in and he has no knowledge or background, but, uh, or you can just hold on to that, uh, that knowledge and then ask it or, or find out for yourself later on like what a weft is. Um, I don't know, it's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, you don't want to look like uh, you don't want to look ignorant, but I feel that uh, at some point when you're able to establish some sort of rapport, you able to ask questions like this. But uh, that's a. But what if it's not? It's not. It's not uh, your fault. That means like they are being tough. Oh, they're being tough. Then, uh, I mean, if they're being tough on purpose and they know it, then you know. But you still have to show a sense of professionalism, right? So you can't really, like, like I say, don't, don't let them see you sweat. I don't want to give you the, the satisfaction that you got me. Yeah. No. And did you manage to actually, any situation where you turn it around? Turn it around? Um, maybe, I guess, but I, uh, I don't know. Too many, uh, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Sorry, man. 
No, no, no. Can you turn this around? <laughs> um, no, I, I think, you know, this is a, a tough question to, to ask as well. Um, as, as far as my uh, repertoire of uh, tools and, and tricks to use is to firstly know the line of them being a dick or no. And you gotta, which I'm still trying my best to uh, be better at the skill, um, is to call them out, call them out uh, intellectually about them being a dick. Uh, but that is a skill that I've yet to master. So no. once, it, once, once you, you, you hit the nail, uh, it, I mean, it depends then again on the viewing, right? Then, oh, okay, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. Then you're like, oh, okay, now, now we start. I mean, you, you, you could. But I wouldn't really advise that. Why? I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, we got to be better humans. Like I, like I said... Uh, oh, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is also like not saying that they are dick, but more like saying it in, in, in a joke format. Which is tough. That, that's the tough part, right? Like, like, well, you, if it's a joke format, you also have to make sure that they're on the same page as you are. That you're coming from a place of jocularity right mm-hmm. you, you, you're you being humorous you're being cheeky they have to be on the same page as you are if not they just take it as an insult so like I said so it, it's basically just uh, it goes back to just forming the rapport yeah. be on the same plane as you as, as, as the other person like you, you can joke your friend right so once you get down on your side you're really friends right you're at friend level and you actually can joke about stuff mm-hmm. you can just uh, call them out and say hey so you know all the time you it seems like you're really hard about people right so don't, don't you think that's a bit dickish they say no nah. you know that's a friend kind of thing now right. they can explain to you why they are that why, why that way or maybe they're not that way or maybe people have uh, um, you know misapprehension about what they do and stuff like that so basically, uh, it, it's, it's basically just trying to create that relationship and in this part you guys are able to pitch for your own interviews um, I mean, not that I mean, Zoo can say yes first, but I mean, you get to choose. Yeah, we get a pitch. Yeah, uh, we got a pitch, but sometimes uh, there are stories where they would say, "Oh, we got this guy coming to town. We need someone to write this. Yeah. Uh, would you like to write it or something like that?" So I have a note here to ask you about uh, uh, bloggers <laughs> and uh, uh, and your your, your stats on it uh, before and then now. I mean, cool. I would maybe let you elaborate on that. Um. I. <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah. If you don't like it, we cut it out. Yeah, cool. If I don't like it, I can cut it out. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, 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 I have no issues with uh, the blogging world or whatnot. And I feel this only, uh, my beef with bloggers only pertains to a very few bad apples, right? Um, I ah oh man, I guess there there there's some bloggers out there who uh, like you know that website uh, the shit influencers, but but then again they fall into the purview of what blogging is about. Sometimes they they write stuff which doesn't make sense or doesn't make proper English sense. Oh, well, there's there's a website or something. Yeah, there the website right and oh, okay. uh, um, shit influencers something like that. Yeah. Okay, we'll find it and then we'll put it show notes. Yeah. yeah, then there's it yeah. underneath they, they highlight the, the, the thing and then they say this is yeah, English and, and to me it's just like uh, 
I, I what they I, I'm okay. So uh, whether they what they're doing is uh, proper or not proper is it's not up to me to decide. But uh, it really points out uh, that, that there's some people out there, and they're able to get away with this for so long until someone calls them out on their shit, right? So basically, it's, it's just. Is some some people they blog under the guise of journalism, but it's not. Uh, for example, I think some of that. Um, uh, yeah, put name out, man. Wait. No, I mean, okay. Uh, like, <laughs> maybe online citizens or something like that. Okay, okay. Uh, while I appreciate uh, a healthy discourse with uh, from from opposition yeah. against our state control media. Uh, is is this if you're going to say stuff and then you don't back it up with facts, and it's just like oh, I feel this is bad, or someone, a friend of a friend is telling me this, or they put up a, a picture or a quote that has, doesn't have any context to it, and then they say and they say oh, the people have the right to know, yeah, but you did not let them know about the bigger picture, yeah, it's just I I find that shoddy and irresponsible. Um, yeah, is this? Oh man, I just. And what has changed uh, now? Because than before. Well, my feelings towards bloggers. Yeah, I mean, it seems that before it was a bit more intensive. I don't know, man. Getting old. Okay. I, I, I really can't. I, I can't hold on to the hate or disdain for for this. I I, I look. I, I feel that uh, maybe what I write the. You know the spotlight will be turned on, on on what right. So I have to be also aware of of my own work, right? I mean, uh, own self check on self uh, goes the phrase. Uh, so I have to be mindful that uh, you know what what is this uh, these people's stories when they go into blogging? Do they like it? Do are they just doing it for monetary gain or something like that? So I just have to. Look at the other side of the coin, so to speak. But, How about let's don't make let's, let's just move on. <laughs> on the contrary, how about this? Uh, what are some of the common themes, characteristics of trait for people that you want to interview? Um, I think first and foremost, I think just interest. What I have a, a great interest in uh, my subjects. Uh, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson will be one of those like uh, oh my god you know he's, he's coming to Singapore and I've given a chance to interview him so, so that's just like uh, it has to excite excite you yes and also people that um, they don't normally get interviewed that's also exciting that's great because you also want to find out more about this yeah excluding like, like, yeah, yeah. So schooling is that uh, is like uh, I mean, he was interviewed once or twice before, but we don't really get to know in in depth about his uh, methods with his son or his relationship with his son. Uh, yeah, so we don't get to see the people behind uh, Joseph schooling. Yeah. So basically, people who are not usually interviewed uh, and people who excite you. Yeah, uh, I think. Top of the list will be those two. I, I'm sure there are more. But are there, are there, is there, is there a, a, a dream, dream list that one day you could interview these people, like top three or top person? Might be a dream list that might not happen, but you know, at least one, one can only dream. Uh, top three, yeah. Okay. 
first and foremost, I really would want to interview Stephen Lim. Stephen Lim. Stephen Lim, yes. I think I can make that. I mean, we can make that happen. Oh, man, Stephen Lim. I, I, I know people will be like, why would you want to interview Stephen Lim? But I, I think he's somewhat fascinating yeah, as a character. Everybody, whatever you think of him as the eyebrow plucker and the weirdo in the, the, the tiny, tiny maybe yellows. Maybe he has a different story. Yeah, maybe he has a different story, right? We, we don't know this. Yeah. Uh, but I did try to ask him whether he's uh, up for interview, but I think his reply was, oh, how much will I be paid? Which, which is not the policy of any reporter. We don't pay people. Does he, does he go down the list then after that? Uh, I, 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 when we told him that we don't, it's not a policy that actually pay uh, subjects yeah. or interviewees. Then I think the the composition cut short, so there was no response from him whatsoever. And I was like, "Oh man!" Okay. Oh, wait, I think we, I think, uh, we can set up a, a Kickstarter fund to to let win. No, no, I don't want to encourage this. <laughs> I I do not want to pay because that's uh, it's, it's very dubious, right? If I got to pay you, then you're only telling me things I want to hear, right? So no, I I, I can't. Okay. It, it should not be a practice. <laughs> are, there, are there anyone uh, else? Stephen Lee? I mean, anywhere in the world, right? You know? Uh, Fiona Sia. Fiona Sia? She's back. I know she's back. Uh, well, I don't know if I say this will jeopardize whatever chances I have. No, but this no, is like... Yeah. The, the reach is so small. This fits. What? Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, but actually, actually I, I did have some interest to interview her because uh, she did went up for a few years. Yeah, yeah, she went on, on her Instagram. There was just um, like a storage photo of her uh, doing art stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, so it's, 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 you want to find out like what uh, initiated that turn? Like she went from uh, this uh, media cop darling to uh, to every prepubescent boy's okay. you know, dream. And then after she she went dark and we don't know and there's rumors circulating yeah. swirling about it. After she 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 and they still have contact of her via Instagram or social media, yeah. but you really do not know the entirety of the story. But I uh, I don't know, man. So we, we tried to ask her for uh, for interview and there was a conversation going. And after that, uh, again she just stopped replying. Okay. And then I I don't know. I like these two people are like my white whale. Okay. It's like my those are my Moby Dicks. Oh, I'm trying to right. harpoon and <laughs> claim. Let's uh, let's make it happen for you. No, I, that, we shouldn't make it. Without money, without money, without money. Yeah, but now it's awkward. Now it's awkward. Why? I, I mean, look. I mean, now they feel like, oh, now I'm doing this because he, he he's going through this weird medium or channel just to. I don't hey, know, you, man. You want it? You want it? You, uh, make it happen. You, you know. I mean, don't be like half half about this. <laughs> I, I, I'd rather be organic and stuff like that. Um, then I got that. Okay, the yes, guy, right? Um, I mean, this one's gonna be like far fetched, you know. Like, I want to interview a min, um, a minister. Okay. A local minister. That's it. Which one? Oh, could be Lee Sian Long. It could be, but but it has to be somebody still in the cabinet. Yeah. Now. We got it though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, they. It's, it's. But Lee Sian Long will be a great person to interview. Yeah. It'll be a great, great person to interview. Just, but. Uh, yeah, but that will never happen because of all the red tape. And but you know what? It, it might be an interview that never get published, but you'll still be a, a hit. Interview that? Well, then why am I doing this? But you did write it. 
Then I did write it, but I just... Oh, so you, okay, so you want to interview and then you want to publish, okay. Yeah, I mean, show a different aspect of the man himself, right? Okay, okay. I was like, uh, you know, Li Xianlong, uh, out from his father's shadow, and yeah. now he's uh, doing all this, but he's... And he's, he's, he's so... A burden kind of, but you see, see, he's very social media savvy. Like, he takes more Instagram photos of himself than my dad. Right, and, and me too. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's such... It's so... Fascinating just to see yeah. somebody who's doing that. It's just like, hey, you know, I got this and they put some inspiration quote on Facebook. I do need to go stop that guy's Instagram a bit more. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. so this are uh, the top three. Okay. In, in, in no particular order. Yeah. No I just want to know. Lee Sandler could be top. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Right. But um, yeah, we'll, should we make it happen for you? What are you, a genie? I mean, look, I, I've gotten a few people on the show that some people uh, uh, would think is impossible. <laughs> but but um, one can only try. Yes. And we have the, we have, we have the, the power of, of time on our end. Uh, we, can, we can try now, put the intention out. And yeah. then 10 years later... Uh, we're immortals, we can live forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's see. Let's see if uh, uh, we might... might. Maybe my, as my connection grow, uh, we, we, we might even know some uncle or, or relative or cousin of this. Oh, hope springs turn up. <laughs> hey, so uh, let's do a left in a little bit. Um, Ooh, is that an off-kilter question? No, it's not, actually. Um, after, after you got all this sort of interview, right, you know, you, you got a team, you got your recording. Yeah. What's the process looks like? From recording to... To article, uh, transcribing. Uh, usually, I'll trans. Uh, I mean, for for my my method, I would transcribe the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So because I'm a bit of a kanchung spider, okay. so I don't want to miss out anything, right? So it might be even a, a pause or maybe he says. So you, you transcribe your own. Um, I usually transcribe my own, but that takes up a lot of time. So yeah. I had people to do it for me, yeah. but uh, I still have like uh, I still go back to review the tape to see mm-hmm. what you mean by this. Once I transcribe, then I will... I mean, usually at the same time, it's not in order, but usually at the same time, I'll try to formulate what the story is. Usually I have the story angle in mind before the interview, or it can be during... Uh, the interview or after. Yeah. So then after I formulate, like, uh, how am I going to write this piece? And then I just hammer, hammer away. And then uh, try to... And then after that, I just keep chipping away, try to make it into a coherent story. Stuff like that. So, Yeah. Is so there usually one angle or there's multiple angles? Um, I know, sometimes I can, I'll bite off more than I can chew. Uh, so sometimes I try to be ambitious with my uh, story angles. Like uh, you read uh, Frank Sinatra as a cold, right? Mm-hmm. That was, that's, that's classic, that's, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful model of a story. Um, and sometimes I try to be a little ambitious, but it sometimes just falls short. Or just like, oh damn it! Then I just try to, you know, repair the damage or something like that. Is that is that? Um, so say, so now you now you you, you get an angle. Mm. Is there an example you can pull out? Maybe let's do the SMRT example for that. Okay, that's just a big, big piece too. Um, so you have this angle, and um, and you start finding information to, to piece together the story effects uh, with this. Uh, angle that you want, right? Yeah. And then, 
and then and then how does it how does it flow? Do you like move around things or you know do you create? Uh, well, I mean, there's several drafts of it, but uh, I think the the main point is to actually just finish a piece. Just finish a piece. Uh, yeah, because you finish it longer because you cut it down. Yeah, so once 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 you finish a piece, then after that, uh, usually you cut it down or you see what you can improve upon it. Uh, if you Then you read it through over and over again, see whether it has a nice narrative. Um, what do you mean by this sort of nice narrative? Well, like it has to be a flow, right? Like I, I can't just read something and then after that, it feels like there's a chunk missing in the middle. Right? So you got to make sure that if you're reading this as a reader, do you get the story? Are you following the story? Uh, or are you losing the readers try to move the story? Um, so sometimes it could be just a... I think, that's, I, I, think the, I did one format where I wrote out the story and then I mix it up. Mix it up. Then you can, the readers can either go through it uh, linear, not linear. Uh, uh, read it as it is, yeah. or they can just follow the jumble up thing. And then that's another one which I did was I I tried to write an alternate story of the subject, but then it got too confusing, right? Because the 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 fear is that readers might see the alternate story, the fiction, the fictive piece of the article and think that it's actually real and attributed. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, considerations to, to to take when it comes to being ambitious. The process you did like four piece of eight thousand words of feature. Okay, sure like eight thousand Well eight thousand you die. <laughs> no seriously uh, eight thousand is words is too many words. Okay, so four thousand. Uh Man, there's one time I wrote about. No, I. Okay, um, usually you try to make it manageable, so about two, two eight. Uh, my process used to be um, write it out until you're done, which is something I was taught in journalism school. So you write out and then you stop. So you don't give any consideration to work or anything like that. Then, but then again, I tend to write a lot because I feel that everything is important. And after you got to wither it down to make something that readers will want to read. So usually the first draft is you write for yourself. The second edit will be you write for your readers. Um, yeah, so on average it should be about 2K words. Okay, how long does that, you know? 2K words? Uh, two, Subscribe to your article. You give yourself. Usually it be much shorter than the transcription. Transcription can be about six to 8,000 words. No, 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 but I mean the time. The time. Oh, time. Yeah. Transcription, I, I got a very fast transcriber, so yeah. that person can do a turnaround rate for about over a weekend. Okay. And then I'll work on a story, so maybe about between a week to two weeks. Okay. Ish. Yeah. And then you are solely working on that story. Yeah, and then... Uh, Working on a story, um, yeah. Cool. Um, so this question came out uh, a lot with young writers when I just saw I threw the question out to people. Uh, uh, the question is how to be uh, inspired, you know, to continue their writing. <laughs> so maybe I'll have your take on that. Um, I I just need to read. Just gotta read. 
other interviews, read books, just to see the the magic of language, and then uh, and then develop our own voice. Um, always uh, maintain an interest in the world, in the surrounding world. You know, no matter how dull the subject is. Um, yeah, I think you need to have a, and also you need to have a healthy skepticism. Uh, you can't always take things for face value. How do you develop that? You know, just always questioning. I mean, I, I don't recommend this for everybody, but uh, I think given my line of uh, occupation, I tend to be more cynical, which is a, it's not a very good trait to attain. I'm an idealist. Oh yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, so sometimes when a small child passes me a flower, it's like, what's what's the catch? Um, but do you do you think that they should be inspired? It's uh, writing isn't for everybody, and the fact that you want to venture into this uh, penniless field or industry, it's a uh, it's something to you know, be all that. Um, they they should be inspired. Um, yeah, I mean, like with all other occupations, or you know, you can be captains of your own industry. Are there any questions you would pose um, for um, writers to know that they are meant for this industry? If say, for example, a young colleague uh, who want to decide to do a degree in, in journalism and then they'll come to you and say, hey, you know, should I do it? What, you know, would, would you ask them to think about? I won't ask them to think about it. i just tell them, don't do it. Oh. Don't do it. And if they refuse that and they still do it, then yeah, I think maybe it's for you. Uh. Um, and again, don't listen to other people. Don't listen to other people. I mean, just think about yourself. Um, I mean, if you, if you write, and then make sure you know that you, when you're writing, it's not for monetary gains. I mean, that will come eventually. You just have to hone your craft or hone whatever, you know, ability you have. Like, not, like now. Like now, uh, this is all free. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. Soon, you know. Fingers crossed. Um, what are some common misconceptions about interns or potential interns when they want to join a squire? Oh, boy. Um, interns, I don't know, man. Look, uh, we, we've got some pretty good interns. Some pretty good interns, but there's always like a few bad apples, right? A few anomalies that come in. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think... Interns, when they come in, they think that it's like a Devil Wears Prada kind of a deal. It's like, you come in, it's like, oh, she's, she, uh, my boss is so cool, and but yeah, she's so distant. Maybe I can warm her cold, frigid heart by being my own bubbly self and be a, you know, a go-getter, kind of stuff like that. But it's all this fantasy, that stupid, that stupid movie ruined, uh, ruined uh, for, for the rest of our employees. Uh, I, I think interns should come into the workforce or uh, knowing that they have to, to to work, right? Of course, there's some companies that they will get interns to be gophers. It's like, go get me coffee, go get me newspaper, you know, do stuff. And, but, and so they don't learn anything. 
anybody comes to, into uh, our company, I want them to learn or at least take away something that they can use um, in future endeavors. Uh, interns that come in, uh, usually we have them uh, try to do a story, uh, work on a story. So they have something in a CV, uh, right? Because usually when uh, any other magazines out there, they were choosing to hire, I would look at the body of work. What have you, what have you done, right? Uh, not, I, I don't usually look at your credentials, like uh, where you come from, where your alma mater is. You know, if you have journalism school in your credit, great, fantastic. But you know, got to see your writing, uh. And also, you just have the need to have a good attitude, uh. You just can't come in here and this thing. Uh, like interesting, they will come in and then they will do the work and then that's it. You know, they they they, they don't have the initiative to say, oh, is there anything else I can do? I think, oh, good. Oh, I have a story. Can uh, maybe can uh, think about this you know, stuff like that. Um, I mean, basically, people just want to get cost credit, uh, which I, I don't know, man. That's not that's not a that's not a way. How does your interview process look like? What I meant was the interview of the the interns. Oh boy! <laughs> it used to be, <laughs> it used to be that uh, it was. Uh, when I interview, interview people, I, I, I tend to be no-nonsense. Okay. No-nonsense. Uh, I think that's just my demeanor. Um, uh, I tried... Uh, I think it's just, it's just also to suss out how they would do during interviews, right? To see whether they have the capability to just uh, go through the fire kind of thing. So I tend to be like very taciturn, I look at them, and then just poker face it. It's like, uh, let me see it work. And then I ask them questions. Uh, one of the big questions may be, have you read Esquire before? Okay? And then they will say like, oh yeah, yeah, I have. I have. Oh, wait, good. Follow-up questions, right? Uh, which, uh, which issue do you read? And what was the takeaway from, uh, which, which, which was the story that impressed you the most? More often than not, interns will come up with, Oh, I really like that uh, that interview with this so and so or the fashion spread. More often than not, those are from the recent issues. Right. Recent issues. Follow up question to that. How about other issues? Now this is just to gauge whether they are long time long term readers of Esquire or they just look at the one that's currently on stands. Right? If they say that, oh I read Esquire all the time, yeah, okay, cool. Tell me about Give me a give me give me an example of uh, of, of, of our stories. So that's how you and seriously, I I, I got so many people that, because it, <laughs> it brings me unmitigated joy just to catch them in their life. <laughs> just they're just like oh so sounds like you only read the current issues. Is that right? Say yeah yeah. And from then on, I I I, I extinguish all hopes for of them <laughs> working for us. Um, yeah So. Basically, the interview, like I said, it's a power struggle, right? So it's, uh, the interview turns into an interrogation kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean... Hey, but you know what? If they don't, they don't. But they, if they can still impress you... Still look, I mean, if you, if you say you haven't read... Okay, like... Okay, some people, they, they haven't read the magazine at all, which I think you, sh- you should at least know what you... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But older issues, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
maybe you only or, or maybe just yeah you, you like only when you, in recent years or, or maybe uh, uh, other magazines that is in line with what Esquire does mm. like GQ August Man you know stuff like that yeah. but yeah la, so basically a lot of people I mean what was the biggest uh, like like Horror, horror face that you you, you make someone. I have, I didn't want. No, they don't. They don't cry, but you, you can see you can see that they're not. They they know in their heart of hearts that they're not going to get an internship. They're not. Okay. okay. Um. I think the one I, I I got was someone came in, and then she has no concept of what we do. Uh-huh. No concept. No concept. Just come in here and say, "Oh, I I like to intern for your magazine. Cool." Have you read Esquire before? Oh, no. I haven't read Esquire. Oh, what interest do you have? Then you, what interest do you have? Oh, I like women's fashion and women's fashion. Why, why do you at least like to read? Oh, no, I don't like to read. It's like you are completely wrong for the industry. Right. How did um, you then like kindly exit yourself out? Oh, basically, you know how you're, when you tell your father that you want to go into the art stream uh-huh. and then he gives you a little disappointment? I just channeled that. <laughs> Channel energy. Yeah, so that load is probably is just enough to just like, oh, <laughs> but it's just like but, but I'm talking about yeah. just a few uh, like maybe one or two oh, sure, people. Know. I mean, but mix a day too, you know. It just uh, I I I feel it becomes a talking point for the day. No, no. I mean, I, I interns. I I think uh, is it's very brave of, of people to actually come into. A situation that they have no idea just to be interviewed for a job um, but there's like only the few people that just come in just like oh my god what are you doing just be smart just be smart yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. how do you do lazy writers I mean if you actually do with them like you know take them on your way how do you tell them they're lazy how do you groom them how do you lament them Lazy writing. Let's uh. um, put one definition to it too. Why don't you? Well, usually I start them off with something small, right? Maybe a, like a blog post or uh, maybe a small snippet of the, or in the issue of the article. And then I'll, I'll look at it and then uh, see, see. Okay, lazy writing is when you look at a press release and it's basically a press release that you just produced. It's like, what are you doing? You're basically just parroting what they, they say. I said different differently. It's supposed to be more. I, I and not to say that I'm always like on the ball kind of thing. Sometimes I may also be faulted for that. But this is a lot, uh, often uh, some people they they they, they write the press release uh, like a press release. You know, as a, as a journalist, you're supposed to give us something new, like uh, maybe. Uh, but you're supposed to deliver it in something refreshing. You know. Uh, so usually I just uh, call them on it and say, like, uh, "Why? Uh, what's up? What's up with this? Uh, is there any way to make it more?" Assuming house style, house style. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you gotta be nice. I, I don't believe in being an a hole, but but then I do sometimes have a hole tendencies, right? Some people look like, "Yeah, this guy is. Why is he? Why is he acting like this?" I like, know that's just his personality. So I I do have that kind yeah, of personality, yeah. but. Uh, it's nothing it's, it's just business man mm. it's just, I'm, I'm trying to help you to be a better writer be a better writer and I guess now that we're on the note uh, writers and writing what makes a good writer uh, to a, and, and, and a great writer difference 
Good writer and great writer. Um, so we have a weird question to ask. Uh, as in, it's not, it's not really... I mean, in terms of your, in your work, in your circle, which is journalism. Okay, personally, I think that good writing and great writing, the difference is um, whether you're able to have that voice in the article itself. I mean, uh, basically, your, your, your job as a journalist is to report, right? Report what has happened. So you got the information out there, who, what, why, how. You got, you got it on the page, great. You got the information. Um, but I think the greatness comes in how you d- deliver it, right? Like uh, Frank Sinatra has a quote. Uh, I'll go back to it because it's a seminal piece of writing. You got your information. Okay, uh, some lesser writer will write about Frank Sinatra. Uh, they say, okay, he did this, he did this, da 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 da. But it's delivered to you in that format. Who he is, where he comes from, stuff. Um, but Frank Sinatra as a whole, it's a story of Frank Sinatra without interviewing Frank Sinatra. You know who he is through all the color of the story. So that's, and it's delivered to you in something engaging, something interesting, something that you want to read more about. Right? At the end of it, you're like, wow, I feel so moved by by, by, by what I've read kind of thing and I think that's what makes uh, and, and that's the voice right and that's that's, that's the hook the, 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 the in, in that writing that would you know you know just, just, just draw it in and if you were to go back to your younger self when you first started writing what would you tell that person that young girl wait? don't use big words sounds pretentious like um, I don't know, man. It's just like, yeah, pretent- pretentious or like, I don't know. I, I, like, I like words, uh, but I can't use big words often. I can't use discombobulated. I can't use uh, Schachem Freud, you know, stuff like that. I can't use that as often as I like because sometimes the key to getting your message across is to keep it simple. Mm. Right? Because you use big words, sometimes it can draw attention away from the story. So, I'll tell my younger self to be more to to not use big words like uh, it's going on like it like it's on sale, right? So Japan, uh, any or I saw told you everything already. Um, what mass experience should I do? Japan? Yeah, I'm well, gonna be landing in Tokyo. So. I don't know, man. Uh, just take in the lay of the land. Just go uh, food places. You like food? Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. So if you have, if you have, you can only recommend me three things that I must master's experience. Uh-huh. What would your three things be? Where are you going again? Going in May. May and so it's like us, uh, like summer, start of summer. And this is like Kimi anyway, like Tokyo or but I'll be landing and flying off Tokyo, so. I suggest you go to one of those like uh, restaurants in a neighborhood. Like uh, go to those places. That those places are pretty interesting because it doesn't look like a restaurant on the outside. The facade doesn't look like a restaurant. It just looks like a, a normal residential uh, area. And then when you go inside, it's like a it's like a restaurant. It's like uh, there's people running to and fro, wait 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 stuff, people eating, and it's just very. It, it's I wouldn't say disconcerting, but it's uh, refreshing to see a concept like this 
turn on its head. Okay, okay, okay. So go to one. I I can recommend you one restaurant per se. What about anything specific? Is there anything specific? Um, I think People Watch. Okay. People Watch would be great just to see uh, just to see how uh other people live or you know communicate or or just commute to work or wherever they they are going to. Um. Great place to be if you try out. Go to Shibuya, the crossing. I mean, okay. everybody goes there, right? But to see people just uh, the the ocean of humanity, just try to get from one side to the other, and you see them, and you wonder, and you can see them at the at the side, right? At a, at, a, at a crosswalk or maybe on the the sidewalk, they're taking pictures as well. Or you can see buskers uh, uh, playing music. Uh, singing, people, you know, doing charity work, asking for donations, raising awareness. You can see tourists. Oh my God! You can you can immediately spot the tourists, yeah. and that's a great game to play. Like, who are the tourists in, in here? You can see people taking pictures of it because it's so, I don't know, it's it's, diverse. Yeah, so diverse. There's the swell of humanity just congregated in one spot. And how 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 should I should I just go on the top? And do it, but I view. You could go on the top. You could go on the top. You can go to the side. You can be in the ocean of people. I guess do all that. Do all that. But it's, it's very interesting just to be in the midst of it. So I have, I also have like Studio Ghibli in my, on my list. <laughs> That's great, man. Um, and then my friend recommended to go to check out Blue Blue. Okay. Um, Hey, oh yeah, what's the fashion? That's the second-hand place. Uh, ragtag. Ragtag. R-A-G-T-A-G, one word, ragtag. And it's an uh, there's several. There's several uh, of these outlets oh. sprinkled around. Uh, that's the more commercial second-hand uh, store. And then other places like uh, Second City and Kindle. Uh, also like second-hand places. But they're not like Salvation Army. No, yeah, basically people who bring their coat, sell it, and then the store would, you know, sell it back to. So Ragtag Kindle. K i n d l, and then. Uh, Second City. Second City. And then you can go to places like Shimoti, Shimano Tisawa. I, I could be pronouncing. Yeah, I, I could I could be pronouncing it wrong. What's Probably that? am. Uh, is this area where they sell a lot of vintage stuff? Oh. Yeah. So, Shimano Tisawa. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I want to go to the vintage stuff. Yeah. Google word, Google, 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 correct yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love, I love to check out like uh, uh, old uh, secondhand uh, shops because you know it's uh yeah you can basically get cheaper stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, people there are generally more chill and relaxed. Yeah, and, and it's it's not like a cheap cheap vibe. Uh, <laughs> so I, I like it. I I go to. Yeah, I go. Uh, actually, in fact, when I was in China, I go uh, to the secondhand store just to buy a, 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 a winter coat because I'm now going up to Shangri-La. Yeah. So I never travel with something heavy. So when I need, I just go secondhand store, buy, right. and then finish. Either chuck it, give it someone, or, or you know, bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And anything else? Japan. That you know. Ah, uh, right. The subway. Okay, well, for sure. Yeah, you just write away and then uh, try not to speak or talk. No, no, as in like uh, when you go there, you just try to pretend that you're one of the one of the locals, right? It's so by not exposing, by not speaking, you don't expose yourself. Kind of, yeah. So I you just pretend you're, you're deaf. 
Uh, oh, no, mute, sorry. Mute, yeah, just uh, pretend you're, you're mute. Just go with the flow, right? Until they ask you a question, then you, oh, the jig is up. <laughs> and, and also, uh, on the note of, um, I'll just, just left it again on our fashion, um, before um, you were quite the graphic tee and jeans kind of guy, and now uh, more sartorial, as some would describe it. But, the question actually is, what does fashion sort of mean to you in your current season of life? Fashion? Yeah. Man, wear what you want, man. I mean... Just just wear what you want. I mean, uh, I'm sure that people who like... I mean, I, I have bugbears against people wearing sandals uh, in the city. I, I, I don't really think it's appropriate. Or, I mean, just wear something that's appropriate for the occasion. And uh, wear what you want. Yeah, so the first rule has to supersede the second rule. Wear what you want, but make sure it's uh, for the occasion. And, and for you, it's more like uh, just to show a uh, showcase of personality, or yeah, I mean, when you wear what you want, it's, it's your it's, it's you, right? It's your it's yourself, it's your personality. And people who are poo pooing against that, it's just like don't don't tell me what to do, kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. I want to tap. I want to dive in a little bit in the topic about you know introversion. Do you say they are introverted? Me? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And you know how do you manage this mandatory social situation while working for a magazine? Because then you. Well, I mean, usually when I do interviews, to be one on one or in, in a group setting, and it's not long. So for me, I just like put my game face on, get it done make small talk and then I just leave kind of thing okay but I mean when during interview when I get comfortable with the subject I, so it's also me getting comfortable with uh, the interviewee right yeah. that um, so I, I don't feel uh, like I need to run off kind of thing so I mean you just have to suck it up lah <laughs> And then, I mean, how does it make you? Is it just like uncomfortable or is it just tired? Or... Uh, after a while, you get a bit like, uh, like mentally waned uh, because uh, you, you're spending a lot of time like internal thinking about like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Is this, is this all, it's what I'm saying, correct? There's a lot of like uh, noise in the head yeah. kind of thing when you're dealing with social situations. Because you're always concerned about what, how, how things are going to happen, right? Yeah. So people like make small talk. And, people like, oh. and after that, it's like, oh, oh no, what are you saying? It's dumb, stop it, kind of thing. So it's a, again, it's like a power struggle in your head within you, you and yourself. Wow. Um, but, but also that, then you, know, you perform stand up mm. pretty regularly. I mean, not, I mean, on a regular pace these days. Uh, and, yeah, that, yeah, right. And you know, that means putting up your, your, your yourself and your work to a live audience and dealing with some high stress situation. So I mean, I mean, of course you find uncomfortable, but I mean, then the question would be like, why, why do you do that? I don't know. I just have, I have jokes that I can use in normal context, and I think it work well in a comedy setting. And when I go on stage, usually it's just. Uh, a persona, like it's a, a, a shell version of who I am. 
and then I go on stage and then uh, I do my thing and I just walk off stage. So basically, it's just okay. They work. Just you know, it's just a fast amount of where. I'm. And then is is there some inner self talk that you before you get on stage? You always lah. I mean, what is the inner dialogue you usually go through? Uh, basically, uh, a lot of like, uh, why are you doing this? Don't do it. Why? Yeah, they, they, it's, it's not funny. A lot of that lah. Then, you just by you, but the only way for you to get better is to actually go through this uncomfortable paces, right? So, you feel get better. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think, I think what I do, right, like in terms of sense humor, is just very niche. Uh, I, but. You know, but I'm, I guess I'm. Comedians like it, like the comics I know, they like it. Uh, the audience not so much, but I, I do it uh, because it. Uh, I I got all this uh, ideas and scenarios in mind that it's a shame if I don't get it out. So. And what you, I mean, so many your enjoyment comes from you just looking for the stuff that has been. Building up, yeah, like uh, lines. Uh, I mean, just just like punch lines or funny things to write about. Cool. Uh, shall we jump into uh, rapid fire questions? No, it's rapid fire questions. What are some books that you have given notes as a gift, or books? Yeah, I've given the people as a gift. Yeah. Or don't then. Uh. I gave uh, someone uh, Arkham Asylum, like a graphic novel. Okay. I, I gave uh, as a graphic novel. Oh, it's called Arkham. A R K H A M, one word. Asylum. A S Y L U M. It's actually uh, written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Dave McKean, uh, and basically it's just uh, Arkham Asylum colon a house on a, a serious house on a serious hill. Wow. Serious, like serious. Mm. Um. Uh, which uh, I gave it to somebody and I think it was uh, uh, I, I thought that person would like it uh, but I don't think the person has read it yet uh, but that book was uh, was pretty uh, uh, interesting to me as uh, as I read I, I didn't think that graphic novels could be this way oh, because oh because it's a, a lot, there's a lot of uh, there's layers upon layers upon layers kind of thing so when someone said this and you look it up it's like what does it mean by this Illusion, as it always, uh, it means this, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, so there's always like uh, there's motifs, uh, metaphors embedded within the graphic novel. I, I didn't know graphic novels, comic books could be that way, lah. Until I went read that. Are there any favorite documentaries or movie? Yeah, um, shoot, uh, I really like uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Yeah, that was a uh, that's pretty good because it's very meta. meta, right? Is this is this a is this a prank? Is this not a prank kind of thing? Another one which I really like is uh, the act of killing. Ooh. Yeah, by Oppenheimer. Uh, I think he interviewed uh, this uh, group of people who committed genocide, and then uh, asked them to reenact the genocide that they did. And through that reenaction, they actually put themselves in the shoes of the victims. 
because they were they were, before that they were they're rather proud of what they do because uh, even in even killing a lot of people innocent people because they think they're doing good yeah. so that was and the, the fact that he managed to get these people to do this this just blows my mind so that was just fascinating act of killing and execution yeah I'll be back cool I'll be back 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 in oh. here Singapore or in the world? Oh yeah. Uh, locally, I think there's this guy called Jackie. Oh, okay. Jackie, uh, and uh, he's he's he, I, I like his comedy. What can I can I can I find online in YouTube somewhere? You can. Uh, I'm not sure if he's online though, but you can find him on uh, the open mic scene. But he's very. So he looks harmless, and he comes across harmless, and that's and that's good because when. Uh, when he ever tells like a, an odd, because you feel like you're rooting for him, you're on his side. Right, right. So when he tells a joke, you like you're more willing to laugh in you know? And he's very, uh, he has this demeanor that okay. makes you that uh, adheres you to to him. Oh, Jackie. Jackie. Okay. Any anyone else that comes to mind? Locally. Or yeah, Jackie and Jackie. This. Um. Yeah. There's also Steph. Stephanie Dogfood. Hers is like more of storytelling. Stephanie Dogfood. Dogfood. That's the, that's a stage name. But uh, she she does. So dog and then food. Yeah. Dog and food. Okay. Uh, she she she's actually a poet. She like a spoken word poet, but uh, she she does the open mic scene like on the on the on on the side as well, and it, and the way she tells her jokes is like very story oriented. Okay. Which is. So good to see. She engages you with the story. Uh, have you purchased uh, anything recently under the hundred dollars that's most impacted your life? Hundred dollars. Uh. I'm gonna give a dumb bullshit answer, but food. Okay. Food really impact my life. Specific food. Everyday dinner or lunch. You know, basically just to survive. Oh, no, that, is that one dinner that stood out more than? No, all dinners are the same. Fine. Um, uh, what is uh, the worst advice you have seen or hear being dispensed in your world? Oh. Um, I think the worst one was it is what it is. Like, like if something bad happens or something is out of control and it's like, well, it is what it is. And I feel like that's just a, it's a very flippant way of, of, uh, of giving up or, or, just, or just like washing your hands off the matter kind of thing. Like, it is what it is. And then it's very pithy kind of a saying. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. It's as though like, yeah, this statement is uh explains everything there's you know. It's like oh, oh why why did my dad get cancer? Oh it is what it is. It's like no man, this I I, I don't like things like that that are neatly tied up. Because they usually aren't. Yeah. And that's a I think that's a lazy way of tying it up too. I mean yeah, it's just basically just, just saying like uh you know, Kesara Sarah. 
you know, stuff like that. That's like it's not, you know, song. Any advice for your 20 year old and 28 year old self and besides where I am? Advisor. Um, don't screw around. This, uh, I think I'm a bit of a time waster, procrastinator. Just uh, seize the day, you know. Grab life by the cojones. Do something. How how will you tell that thing yourself that like, convince him to? I invent a time machine. Go back in time, and scream in his face. Then get back in the time machine. Come back here. Yeah, and then most probably we'll be having this conversation because I probably get my act in order. <laughs> uh, what were you doing? I think I was in private school or like MDIS because I couldn't get into a regular poly. And twenty eight, if there's anything, or say eight. Twenty eight. Twenty. I think I was in. I could be st- still in US. I uh, I can't be sure. Maybe in US. Uh, I think same advice. Yeah. Yeah. Same advice. When you think of the word successful, who came into your mind and why? Honestly, my parents. I mean, they they're not like rich, or I think well, we we we're not rich by any means, but like successful in the in how they actually brought us up. As I mean, I I'm pretty sure we are a handful, a bunch of, I mean. She had just abandoned us a long time ago. Seriously, I I I think it was a pretty terrible uh, child. But uh, I think it's successful in a way that I did not deviate. I I I didn't go to jail. I didn't embarrass them. So I I think they're pretty successful in, in that. I, and they're pretty chill parents. They they like uh, do what you like. Just don't make sure it's, make sure it's not illegal. So yeah, I think their success in seeing their kids uh, be uh, having their own personal successes as well. What are some of the most common misconceptions about you and your work? Oh, like writers, like like people think writing is oh, I can do writing, which I really, really, uh, I, I really despise that kind of thinking, like. Like uh, like in the industry, people think that writers are a dime and a dozen, and they don't pay them, which is I I, I want to pay I want to pay people for their writing, right? Even though I, like personally, I want to want to pay them. Um, and and some companies they would see writing as a something as an aside, like if that writing is important, but it is. It is what makes up the content of your magazine or whatever website you have. You need writers. You need good writers. Uh, and then, you know, they don't pay writers. They say, oh, no, you get exposure. And it's like, no, no. Uh, there's this famous phrase from Goodfellas. It's like, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> That's it. I did this job. And uh, depending on what you think of my talents, I, I still need to be paid for the work I've done. And this doesn't, uh, this, this doesn't pertain to writers. This pertains to 
people in the workforce. I mean, I, I don't know why they have to marginalize people in the art industry, designers or writers, because they're not doing something like you know, doctors or lawyers. No, pay me for my work. So don't, yeah. Look, if, if it's so simple for you to write, you'd be doing it instead of hiring people. I have this, this is... Are there any uh, asks or requests for the audience? Any uh, last parting words, thoughts to take away, consider and try? Um, should, should I address the camera, that camera? Yes. It might be a podcast, so it might be just audio. Okay, well, I'm just going to stare at this camera anyway. Sure. And the podcast will just hear my voice. Um, don't listen to me like wholeheartedly. I'm just one guy, and this is this works for me in my experience. Um, I mean, it might help you, it might not help you, but you know, find your own path. Um, don't take my word at face value. Uh, the skepticism come in, so you know, think for yourself. And uh, if you still want to be a writer, then you know. I'll see you as peers eventually. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel that uh, just do what you need to do to actually get to where you need to be. Uh, because life is life is just like a candle blowing in the wind. <laughs> Quite going to Elton John song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's all I have to say about the matter. Are there any upcoming projects that people can look forward to? No. No. Well, I mean, that's the magazine. Uh, we, I write this kick-ass magazine called Esquire. Um, and also, uh, I don't know. I think, for, I think for now, I just look forward to that. Okay. Uh, where can people find you or your project on the internet? Or can they find it all? I no oh man. Uh, I tend to be skittish about putting out my own work. I'm sure that other people. I, I'm sure my company put up like PDFs or whatnot. Um, that's that's their prerogative. But I don't know, man. I am. I'm not saying you just have to. If you find it, you find it, lah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's up, people? It is over. As usual, all show notes, links, books can be found on the website, brianvictor.com, Brian with a Y. And if you have any misfits you'd like to hear, uh, feel free to drop me an email. Tell me uh, why you want to hear from them, what you want to learn from them, what kind of questions you want to ask them. Um, yeah, and uh, drop, drop me an email. My email can be found on the contact page. <laughs> Thank you again so much for giving your time and listening uh, to this episode. You can be anywhere, listening to anything, but you have given your time to me. So for that, I appreciate you. And again, for anyone in around the world, I hope you have the fantastic week ahead. Mm-hmm.